0: Hello listeners and welcome to the lockdown series of the British Academy of Jewelry podcast. I am Sophie Boons and today I have invited another inspirational guest to join me in a remote discussion on what the future of jewelry may hold, particularly in response to the new reality we are all having to get used to. To touch things outside of our homes has suddenly become potentially dangerous. When we go shopping, we wipe the trolley, Gloves are worn by many outside of the medical field and have actually been identified as the next threat of pollution by microplastics in water bodies. And every object and item we bring home seems to be subjected to a disinfecting regime. Our relationship with objects and our desire to touch things freely has been part of a shifting narrative, which I as a maker am both fascinated and petrified by. This, in addition to the continually increasing importance of our digital self, particularly in a time of social distancing, are evolutions that are bound to have an impact on jewelry the way it is designed and the way it is worn. To discuss these contemplative ideas, I have invited Jewelry designer and researcher Sofia Halik. Welcome, Sofia.
1: Hello, Sophie. Nice to meet you.
0: Sofia, to start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah. My name is Sofia Halik. I was born and raised in Estonia. It's a small and really uh, good in technology uh, country. I basically, I make a lot of things, but they are all about jewelry because I research jewelry, I make it, I fix it, I draw and I also design jewelry. And I believe that my actions, they have only one aim, is to change the idea of what jewelry is, which materials we can use for jewelry making, uh, how and who can wear it. And also I really enjoy Um, the idea of changing the hierarchy of of handwork and machine production because we know that still people really believe in in think that handwork is much better than machine production but time changes and I think that they are like equal so I, I yeah I blend like these two ways of jewelry production in one that is basically what I make. What made you decide to become a jeweler and pursue research in the field? Uh, I was born in a family where people usually choose um, creative professions. So my dad uh, he worked as a goldsmith. My grandfather, he was a textile artist and like he painted a lot but I think that not Only my family affected my choice, but I just, from the childhood, I really felt comfortable doing something with my hands, and it was just something that came so naturally. So I got my first degree, bachelor's degree, in 2013 in ceramics, and already then I started making jewelry using porcelain, but... I realized that I don't want to be limited by only one material, or maybe okay, two, porcelain and clay. So that is why I I understood that I need more knowledge about materials. That is why I went, I started my EMA project in Estonian Academy of Arts as well. And while doing my EMA, I realized that the idea of digital, in jewelry is is really not researched enough and that is why I, I started my phd and i really hope that i i finish it next year so i'm on my final stage
0: so you are in the final stages of your phd could you tell us a little bit more about what you are researching
1: yes yeah, sure so i researched the idea of how digital technologies affect jewelry making And I have divided my project into three uh, case studies. The first one deals with purely handwork and everything that comes with it. Uh, The second one deals with hybrid production. And by this, I mean handwork and digital production, like in equal proportions, like being equally involved in the process of jewelry making. So in the last case study that I'm working on at the moment, it is focusing on digital production. And my aim is to create a 3D shape by not creating it myself, but letting the machine do it instead of me. So I want the machine to create, to be a creator. And then the idea is to to see because these are so deep, these are really different ways of making something like hand, and hands with the help of the machine and just machine, just to see how they differ and maybe there is not that much difference.
0: Ah, that's very interesting. Have you already made any discoveries that you can already share with us and that you think are going to be significant for jewelers?
1: There is a lot of things, but I I, I just need to say it is not that much about maybe digital thing. An artist has to decide if he or she wants to just make something that is important for himself and herself. And you know, it is like author jewelry. When you are the author and you have an idea, and it doesn't matter if it fits into the the world that we have. And then the other thing, because I have a, a designer jewelry brand, I need to to fit jewelry into the what is happening, at the moment. and at the same time, not try not to make you know boring stuff. So I, I believe that making jewelry means that you have to really know what is your focus and everything is okay like you can do what any kind of jewelry because there's so many you know you just need to know why you do that
0: are you hoping to present your findings in an exhibition as well as writing your thesis up and hopefully publishing it for others to read yes are you planning
1: anything additional and when can we expect it uh, yeah but as as far as my research is is practice based so there is three exhibitions, like there will be three exhibitions, two of them are already done there in the past and one exhibition is coming. It took me longer than I expected to, to make this third exhibition because uh, to find the way uh, of production of a form by machine only, it is more complicated for like, you know, for one person because you of course can use some kind of artificial intelligence, but it, it is expensive and uh, being like an individual i i really need to to find <laughs> ways uh, so i hope like in a half a year i will have another exhibition and publish the final work as a thesis
0: for anyone listening who maybe did not know research in the jewelry field is being conducted at a doctoral level why do you think it is important research is taking place in the field and what does it mean to be a researcher in jewelry,
1: it's a good question because I was the second PhD student in jewelry department. The first one was Carla Costato. I really hope I I pronounce uh, her name correctly, but I think I'm not. She's from Portugal, so I was the first local person who who started it. It's you just need to be prepared that it is not easy to find material to find like some kind of information. This is the one thing. And of course, like every school has different frames and different rules how you do it. Some schools and like some universities are really free, but some in some places it's really strict. So it's fair to say that there actually can be
0: a very significant difference between the approaches to research from one university to the other. And would you also say that it therefore is important to consider very carefully which university suits your personal needs best and potentially the project and research you're wanting to conduct?
1: Oh Yes, because people who, who you work with in university, who people who... Who teach you something? It is. I I believe this is one of the most important things for the PhD. Yes, the expertise, the equipment, everything
0: that surrounds you in a research environment supposedly will make a tremendous impact on on the work that you produce. Yes, it is. So, very recently you have published an article with a co-author Daria Popolitova. Digitally produced jewellery, tactile qualities of the digital touch in the Journal of Artistic Research. Mm -hmm. Yes. The topic seems more than ever relevant to listeners today. Could you tell us what made you look into this topic and what the article is investigating for those who haven't
1: read it yet? Uh, The reason why we decided to write on this topic is because both mine and Daria's PhD researches are really about digit in the field of jewelry making. It is kind of a bit different, so we divided the article into two parts. The first one is the pre-production, and it is about making jewelry in the 3D program, for instance, because this is the first stage. You can, of course, like make a sketch by hand, but... The new tool is the 3D program that helps you do that. And when you create something in a 3D space, you don't even touch it. There is a completely different way of perceiving the shape. You know, the communication between an artist and the shape, is, is a, it is a new thing. So that is what Daryf is writing about in this article. And the second part was dedicated to machine production. So this is the part that I wrote. And to be more precise about 3D printing. So I described such tactile aspect as digital fingerprint. It is the same like you know, fingerprints on a clay after you know the potter finishes the work. Because every printer, every material, it has like its character is there, its fingerprint is always there. So because sometimes there is like a false idea of machine production that it is some kind of no name, there is no soul but at the same time there is a presence of the machine and it is different so we talked about digital touch because making jewelry is is about touch, a lot about tactility so the concept that defines digital materiality in tangible world so just these kind of questions because Making jewelry in digital space, it gives new definition of how you do that, what you feel at the end. It really affects the result, most importantly.
0: The article talks about the digital self and having been forced to reduce social contact. Do you think the digital self is now becoming even more important? And if so, what do you think it means for our industry?
1: Well, that's for for sure now it is affecting our lives a lot because me and you, we now have um, the only way to me is like the Zoom. You have your own digital self. I present my jewelry online a lot, like in Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And there I also have my digital self. And in Estonia, we have like a really nice joke, like to make the quarantine sad times more funny that we're really waiting for the quarantine to, to be in the past and we really want to forget about this 2-meter you know, distance between people because we can get back to normal 5-meter distance. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really what we have in the, in this country. People are really separated anyways. Uh, but I see that a lot of companies, like big companies in Estonia, that they are not getting back to normal that was before. That, uh people really stay at home and they say that they are not going back to work like they will have this home working places and like many fields are changing and I'm, i am myself really curious what will happen with jewelry field because as you know like you know all this munich jewelry week it's is it's not just about objects it's a community of people coming and seeing each other and you know having wine and stuff uh, if we don't have it, so there will definitely be a new way of sharing our ideas. And But I have no idea how it's going to be. I'm really curious. I am also very interested in the
0: question we might have to ask ourselves as makers of adornments in an increasingly digital context. How important the materiality of our objects and work ultimately is? With our understanding of the human depletion of our environment for the production of products, some makers might shift their practice so their pieces become virtual only. With the advancement of augmented reality technologies, like for example the Instagram face filters we see, we could be producing jewelry that is worn by our digital self during digital communications only. Your article touched upon virtual jewelry briefly. Do you know of any artists who are working in this space that we should be looking at?
1: The one is in Instagram, you can find her like Carol the Kitty. She's really making the new virtual reality for her characters, for her jewelry, because she, she doesn't make real like physical objects. It stays there in in, in other reality. But it's so perfect. I think for me, for a long time, I had the problem that all the 3D objects that I made, I tried to transform them into something physical because my idea of jewelry that it should be here in my hands, on my body, in my ears. But as you said about filters, like they really, for many people, they become an important part of their life. You don't need to buy a pair of earrings. You really can just have a filter. Yeah, there is a new reality for for this, for sure. One more maker, Audrey Large. She makes objects and jewelry, but the idea of her work is to make something that looks really digital, but it is a physical object. And this this is crazy because you need to really see the object in real life as to understand that it's not some kind of 3D model. Um, And the level of the skillfulness of this trick is so high. I really love tricks in jewellery and art. They said like two makers who who work in between real and not real, in between physical and digital, and that's amazing works.
0: So perhaps us jewelers will be even more inspired by the digital following on from our current consequences and ultimately examine and in some cases defend the need for the physical representation of our work as an extended experience inviting a different kind of perception. Mm -hmm. In the conclusion of the article, you and Daria say, jewelry manufacturing by means of digital technologies gives birth to new types of tactility that are intrinsic to the work with the screen or the machine. Tactility does not only define the ability to perceive or be perceivable with a touch. This sounds very promising in a world where touching things freely is actively
1: being avoided. Can you elaborate on this? In the new world that is really waiting for us now, for me personally, I have a dilemma now. Because I try to understand in which direction it will move. We already, before Corona, we lived in a really digital world. There were so many digital things that helped us and and so on. But I have a feeling that in this new normal world, the craft will actually come back and be really important. And it will have, you know, this arts and crafts movement. It's like the volume two. This is what uh, I think, because we have so much digital, digital, and the more we have, we maybe will start thinking about handwork more as something that will bring us back to reality. Jewellery probably will not be, you know, just an object, you know, like something that beautifies you. You know, there is such a notion like animism, when uh, people really put like a soul into an object. And if it breaks, they repair it or like they... They try to find a new way of using this object. Because for the humanity, it is really important to understand that we need to limit the amount of products that we produce. And I believe that this is our future. I mean, like, I, I, I believe in better future. To have jewelry as something really personal, something really important, and not just an object, definitely. I hope it's going to happen, like, it's going to go this way.
0: You have been using 3D printing as a technique in your research. What do you think is the future of 3D printing? It having evolved from the idea that it was a desktop machine that would allow anyone to reproduce mainly plastic items at home to its multifaceted use in a range of industries including the production of jewelry. What are the benefits of using 3D printing in your work and what is the next step when it comes to 3D printing?
1: I think that like 3D printing is, is just one step in the evolution of the tool. 3D printer is, is the same, you know, like a hammer in your workshop. You just use it. But at the same time, I, I, once I had an interview with Isaiah Below. It's an artist, an architect from Belgium, but he is he's based in London, and he has this lab called Ragatory. I know I think it's well known. He worked with Iris van Harpen, and he believes that the future is not about three d printer but about uh, robotic hands. And I, and then, for me, I, I I never thought about robotic hands in my studio. You know, I have a three d printer in my studio, but robotic hands sound something really big, something really technological, you know, I need a huge factory to have this machine. But I agree with Isaiah because this machine can allow an artist to make really something new. Like, it will be maybe the next step in the evolution of a tool to have a robotic hands in our studios in the same easy way as we now have 3D printers because they don't cost, you know, thousands and thousands of uh, euros. You can really just get one. I don't know. You can from you can get a really nice one for like 300 euros, and like print prototypes or final products. It's like a new normal. That's the thing uh, about 3D printers. Yeah, maybe about 3D printers. What is interesting that uh, it's not only about that machines are getting cheaper and uh, make better results, but the materials as well. That we you can print like whatever you know from <laughs> from clay from plastic to to you know really skin. It's it's just crazy how how big it becomes.
2: And this is an opportunity that's still out there for jewelers to experiment with as well, all these materials that are able to be shaped and formed into whatever design within the limitations of the machine.
1: Yes, yeah, because sometimes to to reach some kind of a result you need you need a technology because by not having this technology included in the process, you will never reach this result and that is for me that is why I use actually technologies uh, just because it allows me to reach the results that, that are not reachable without them. So it's the right tool for the design? It, yes, sure it is, yeah.
0: Do you agree that when you are working with a tool like a 3D printer, there is still craftsmanship involved? Because you have to get used and skilled to working with the printer, its tolerances, the materials it can print, and
1: so on? Sometimes people just, you know, use the 3D printed object as a final result, of course. Also, sometimes you can have it, you can combine it with the handwork, you can see the really skillful handwork in combination. And then you can also use the 3D print just as a prototype and then work with your hands. But for me, I think what is interesting is that in the same way as we use like smartphones, you know, you just know the buttons and you know like how to use them. But in generally, I don't know, not no one, but a lot of people don't know how they work. What, what is the system? And the same happens with, the, with machines. I believe that maybe if artists will not only just use to make something, but also maybe research and learn how the machine works, it can also bring to some kind of a new, you know, something completely new, because then you can manipulate with the machine. Like having your own 3D printer is also really important because then you can, again, you can manipulate and you can take a risk. Because uh, when I started using 3D printing, I've been uh, working with companies, sending them my 3D files, and they never make something crazy. You know, it's always like, we can do this and that, and that's it. And when you have your own machine, it really becomes a tool because you can play with it. And I believe it is important to, as an artist, to be involved in the process, because it means that it becomes a craftsmanship already while you're really doing something like around this machine.
2: You mentioned also glitches. Oh, yeah.
1: Can you say something about this? I love glitches. Actually, many, many artists use these mistakes as to bring them to the public, not as a mistake, but as like a good thing, you know, because they're beautiful. When you
2: design something on computer, it can be completely perfect. But the idea that when you then 3D print it, it's going to be that perfect representation of the design, it's not true. Because the 3D printer doesn't, like your hands, like every other tool in life, and nothing ever is perfect. Th- that disconnect between the digital and digital jewelry in the future and the physical, the reality of things is also really interesting.
1: Yeah, but it's about the, like the perception of, of perfect. Like, what do we think about the perfect? Because sometimes we, we decide not to accept the appearance of a machine, of a 3D printer. That's what we, uh, we write in this article, about this fingerprint because the glitch is also some kind of the voice of the machine that I am here, I'm doing like a mistake. (laughs) Just please, just accept it. If anyone listening is really
2: interested in the topics that we've discussed, could you recommend any
1: authors to look up and read? I am interested in both handwork and machine production. Before like talking about digital production, it is maybe important to know about hands uh, there is one Finnish, he is already a doctor, like he has a PhD degree, and it is the part of his PhD research, Jurki Siokonen. And he writes about the hammer. And uh, basically, I really love this work. It is really easy to read, but it has really many layers of what is handwork. Talking about machi- machine, maybe. Malkin Makala, the, yes, the digital hand. I believe these two are like two Bibles for the hand and the machine.
2: I believe in Estonia uh, the lockdown has already been lifted, is that right? Yes, it is. Uh, But you also have been in lockdown. Mm -hmm. How have you found the experience and how have you kept busy? And are you taking anything positive away from this experience? Yes,
1: definitely. But... The first week was really hard, like mentally. <laughs> I just decided to stay at home for like three or four days watching Netflix and eating chips. That was so mad because I really like the dynamics of life. And when the the lockdown came, you know, everything just stopped and no one knew what's going to happen next. And of course, first week, it's really, it was really hard to work because will you work for something you know and when you are not for me it was my experience if I don't know what's gonna be in the future why should I work but of course I am one of the luckiest one because first of all I had an opportunity to work in my studio and so I had a wor- an opportunity to work with my hands with my tools uh, I'm the person who can't work from home it doesn't just work for me so I, every day I've been just walking to my studio and sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. And then like maybe on a halfway to the end of the quarantine, I decided to make new collections and uh, and I have so much things to do. Like the amount of work is just so crazy that sometimes I forget about quarantine. And of course in Estonia, we we are lucky, we can still go out to the forest, to the sea, I believe that the only thing is just to keep working, just to try to find the reason why you do that. It was a good time for just slowing down and and thinking about what exactly am I doing and why, and uh, it really helped me to find the focus for my brand, it is. It, it was a good time to to think about what we do next and how do we work on on brand and future. However, at the same time, it's not easy because we planned to go, you know, to Paris Fashion Week to show in, but it's it's not gonna happen. <laughs> so there's like good things and bad things. I just try to take it easy. Can you tell us a little bit more about what inspired you to set up your own? business as well as do the research. In Estonia for the PhD student the the amount of money we get for our research is, is really small. So when you enter the the school says you honestly that you need to find a job like and I didn't want to I didn't want to separate myself from jewelry. I before that already I saw that people are interested in things that I make. And I had some small amount of clients, so I decided to just keep going with brand. Of course, it was not the easy way, because brand means a lot of in in putting much effort and money and uh, energy. But I'm really happy that I chose this way, and um, it is about doing changing the the designer jewelry to 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 show the world that it can have a concept and uh and it should have a concept and something behind jewelry yes so i have my mission and i and i enjoy it
2: cool thanks so much as our bodies and specifically our hands have adapted through changes in environment and context throughout evolution i wonder whether this new reality we all have been forced to adapt to will bring about new changes to our evolution whether tactility can become even further considered in the digital realm of creativity and craftsmanship. For now, I would like to just say thank you so much to Sofia Halik, who joined me from Estonia for this very thought-provoking remote discussion. Thank you, Sofia.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for your invitation. And I really hope that it was interesting for, for you and for the people who listen it.
2: It absolutely was. Next week, I'll be joined by another guest. So watch this space to find out who it is. For now, this was Sophie Boons. For the lockdown series of the British Academy of Jewelry podcast. Titled Digital Jewelry, Digital Touch and Digital Self with Sophia Halik. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful weekend.